And we're back from the blue corner. My name is Dennis. And uh, as you can see, this week was the week for me. My almighty Lakers took the 2020 championship. I had to put that out there. Uh, it's been a good 10 years um, since we got the last championship. And it does feel kind of good, especially the year that's been 2020. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that from the top of the uh, top of the, the show. But anyway, uh, before we get onto it, I just want to remind people to make sure you uh, subscribe, like, share, comment, do all that good stuff. Um, it always helps and it lets us know, uh, you know, if we're traveling in the right direction. Um, but today we will call this show Aussies Abroad. Um, apart from the fact that I guess no one, no one's in jail and no one's arrested, which is always a good thing. Um, but uh, I'm joined today by um, an Aussie that is now living in San Fran. Um, he's been there, I think, for approximately two years. Um, he goes by the name of Flossie. He's a Muay Thai fighter uh, with a pro record of one and zero. Um, and he's also got a fight coming up uh, mid-next month. I'm talking about none other than Andrew Webb himself. He joins me via video call. How have you been? How's 2020 been treating you? And what is going on? Howdy, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, it's been pretty wild being in the States during COVID, seeing as they got the highest number of deaths. Um, been on lockdown for a while. Been off work for six months. Just getting some training in. It's been it's been good for training. Haven't, haven't had much to do work-wise. So, um been a wild ride so far so when you say you've been on lockdown are the lockdowns really that harsh and i only ask this because as i just mentioned the lakers have taken the championship this year right and the first thing i saw is even though it was like obviously the 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 game itself was in a bubble um i saw that the celebrations outside of staples center were absolutely insane and once again there were a few people wearing masks but i'm like there weren't that many people wearing masks. And, and and then, like, I think at the moment, you know, a few months back, New York was the hot spot for, um, for cases. But I think the latest statistics say that California are actually the, the, the hot spot at the moment. Um, so, yeah, what, what is the vibe like over there? Like, is it real, real lockdowns or, or is it just like kind of suggested that you, you keep to yourself? So the first, the first month we were mandatory lockdowns, like don't go outside unless like you could go out for exercise and to get food and stuff like that. But other than that, go home. No businesses were open. Gyms weren't open. Nothing was open except for essential, essential needs, food, stuff like that. Um, it got a bit better. The everyone in SF started wearing masks. Um, inside or well, it's mandatory to be in, inside with a mask so it's been pretty chill here uh i know i went down to la in july and orange county not one person was wearing a mask <laughs> it's pretty wild I'm, I'm walking around with a mask on everyone's looking at you going why are you wearing a mask i'm like uh it's been a few people dying so far so um new york's calmed down but i heard it's i heard it's back on the rise again in certain communities well yeah my my, my partner's uh, from new york and and at the moment like she's in brooklyn and um yeah she's saying that they are starting to close 
like suburbs of Brooklyn that they're, they're they're starting to close them up again. Um, I mean, the scary thing thing for me, I guess, is you know we over here we've done all right, so you should have stayed in Australia. But um, we 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 we've done all right here, and we've just been through winter. I think that's probably the concerning thing is that you guys have had these numbers in summer, but you're now heading into winter, which is flu season and everything like that. And that's, I guess, where a lot of things will come out now, like whether. Yeah, definitely on the East Coast, uh, their winters are much more extreme than over here in California. So it's pretty mild here in the Bay Area. Um, Doesn't rain a lot, doesn't get too cold. LA's a bit better, San Diego's a bit better. So I think I think it shouldn't be too bad, but um I'd I'd watch those East Coast states. And so what what originally got you across to the States anyway? Um obviously why would you li- want to leave the land down under? Um my wife has a, a company that got some investment from a, a company here in San Francisco. So they decided to expand move over to the US and build it up for the US market. So they ended up shutting down the Australian market. Just It's just a numbers game. So it's 330 million people here compared to the 25 in Australia. So it's been going good. Yeah, nice. And she, she works pretty She works pretty hard. And I, and I have to ask, only because we always read articles over here from like Americans coming over to Australia, right? And, and they always have these articles about like um, the major differences from an American's perspective, you know, and they talk about that our traffic lights, for instance, make noise to let pedestrians know when to cross and, and, and little things like that, little quirky things. But um, mm-hmm. I want to I flip that on its head at the moment and, and get an Australian's opinion of, of, you know, of America and like, you know, what are, what are you, some of your likes, your dislikes? What are some of the, I guess, differences from, from your eyes? So the first thing would be um, you buy something, there's like a two for five on Red Bull at the shop, you go to give them $5 and they're like, uh, plus tax. Everything is plus tax. So whatever price you see is not what you pay, you pay plus tax on top and the tax varies from different county, different state, different area. So it's crazy, whereas in Australia it's 10% and it's added to the price. That's number one. (laughs) The whole Fahrenheit, uh, miles, inches, pounds, like, I'm still getting my head around that. Um, the traffic lights do make noise in Australia, and that's always helpful when you're not paying attention. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll miss it here if you're not looking. Which, um, which, which always makes me wonder, right? Like, I mean, obviously, though, that noise is more for blind people, I would say, right? It's, it's to let blind people... Like, so how do blind people... I mean, I don't know if you even know the answer, but, like, how do they know when to cross the road? I'm not sure. I'm I'm really not sure. They got the they got the blind bumps at the at the crossing to like let them know they're at the crossing, but to walk across there's no. Every every now and again I'll be in a random place and they'll do them, and I'll be like, all right, taken back by that. That's cool. But um, everywhere else is so. So let me ask you: Are you are you um, still an Aussie abroad, or have uh, like? Have you actually got full, I guess, have you got your green card, your citizenship or, like put it this way, are you voting in November? Uh, no, I'm not. I am on a temporary work, my wife is on a temporary work visa and I'm the dependent on that visa. 
So it's renewable every two years, as long as her company's here. Um, that means we have to fly out of the country or come back to Australia to renew the visa. At the moment, that's pretty impossible because there's not much going on flight-wise. If we want to get home, it's about, it's going to cost us about $15,000 each. The, the flights are limited. They're preferencing business class over economy. Uh, then paid quarantine. It's like a 30 grand trip to all this back to home. Like I love Sydney, but you know, <laughs> I'd rather go to Europe with that money. <laughs> right. Which is, which is crazy. Like, um, just the expense, but I mean, I think that'll all change to be honest with you. I think a lot will change in November. Right. Um, mm-hmm. depending on what's going on over there. And I think for us a lot, I, I, my, my date that I've been setting is that a lot will change in March. Um, and the reason being is, I don't, I don't know if you've kept up to date with what's going on over here, but our kind of like stimulus sort of packages, we've got like uh, the job seeker and job keeper, which are these payouts. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of last month, they kind of, you know, minimized them a little bit. January, they'll, they'll reduce them again. And then March, they're kind of saying that's it. And, and I just feel that once there's no more government support for the people, um, I, I just feel like we're going to have to open up again, right? Because, I mean, you, you know yeah, Australia, sure. we, we, we depend on the tourist dollar. So it's, it's kind of yeah. like if we can't have tourists and we can't have that money, yet we're not getting support, it, it's kind of like it'll lead to, yeah, as I say, like I, I, I just think come March we'll, we'll kind of – and look, people were talking that we might have a vaccine by Christmas and I don't know if they're rushing it or not, but – you know, I, I, I really feel March is kind of where we're looking and then I think things will get back to normal. Whether you still have to do the hotel quarantine or not, that's that's to be decided. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do well locked in rooms. <laughs> Two weeks in a hotel, I, I, I think I'd go a bit crazy in there after a while. But at least you'd be there with your wife, right? So, like... Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so you know... It's better than being alone, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, the, the, the weird thing that I find with that is that they've really put people up, like the hotels that are doing the quarantines are actually like five-star hotels, hence why they're so expensive, right? Because you're paying five-star rates. Yeah, and it's like... It can be pretty hit and miss too. I've seen some of the food options. Like I do keep up with the news back home and just some of the food, like a ham sandwich. Here you go, mate. That's your lunch today. I'm like, three grand? I'm like... But then, but then I've also seen you can get like Uber Eats and stuff and, and I've seen that people get people to drop off KFC and stuff like so you can get and, and I don't know how that works. Like how how does the food come into the bubble? Like if an Uber Eats delivery driver comes and goes, I've got this for like how does that all work like uh, to make sure that there's no so, contamination, right? Like it's, I don't know. It's those security guards there are uh, sneaking the food in. Yeah, and and have That's you heard the story about the security guards? Yeah, the, the ones in Melbourne. Yeah, classic. So um, so, good. so anyway, let's let let let's start a little bit. Um, I guess a little bit of history. Um, I mean, you you hit me up a couple of weeks back. Um, obviously to 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 organise coming on, and um funny thing you mentioned is that you were like and and it was a major throwback when uh, you know you you mentioned you're like you know 
the Bliss Nesso days, and and obviously that that's been a major f- uh, throwback because me actively, I, I I probably haven't even done much with the boys. Better part of probably five years now. Um, so like to to have that 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 come out was like a major. Um, as I say, a major throwback, right? Because, I mean, I did do stuff with them for the better part of 12, 13, maybe even 14 years. But then you add the the five years of being inactive. We're talking like 20 years, you know, like um, there, there, there's a lot of history there. Um, so, and and we were just talking before and, and, and you said you were actually at um, – one of the video clip shoots that we uh, held at um, a guy, uh, one of our boys, which is RJ, at, at his compound. Yeah, that was lit. Um, they put up a thing on MySpace and we got some, uh, whoever replied, first 50 people reply can come down for free. I'm going to shoot the video clip and drink some beers and jump on the half pipe. And uh, there ended up being some graffiti too. Everyone was tagging the toilets. <laughs> So we uh we jumped on that straight away, got in, and then um yeah, so been watching those boys for a minute now, probably since uh, Flowers in the Pavement, and then yeah, they've they've been dropping albums left, right, and centre since then. And 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 in, your, and in your opinion, what what's your favourite album? Man, there's some probably the 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 first three, um, Flowers. Uh, not the first three, but Flowers, Day of the Dog, and then, God, what's the next one? It's been a minute. Um, Flying Colors. That's when I was like right into it, you know, living that living that Aussie hip-hop dream. It's good stuff, man. It's good memories. And and have you been keeping up? Like they obviously released a, uh, a new track and uh, video clip a few weeks back now for Lighthouse. I didn't see that. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. Okay, so they're they're finally back. I mean, it's it's taken them a wee minute, um, but mm-hmm. they uh yeah they they released and I mean the clip is the clip is pretty solid, man. Like you you're like wow, like um, so they've they've taken a bit of time getting there, but uh the 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 product that they've actually released is is really nice. I. But I would like to see what um, what else comes out of that album because obviously they've only dropped the one single and they um, they even did like a live performance from the top of Center Point Tower. Um, oh, that's lit! Right uh, for for the song and they had like a swooping helicopter and everything. So even that like and that's not the official video. So they did the official video and they did this live performance video. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty gnarly and. Uh, I have to say, it's when 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 we look at verses, um, yeah, uh, bliss. So he his verse on that is 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 pretty deep, man. I um I, I think it's one of his better verses. I'm I'm the same. I love a lot of their earlier stuff, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. It's um, big part of my teenage years. Those earlier albums has been good. Um, so listen, um, obviously your, your fight name, Flossie, two questions on that. Well, one, one's kind of like some, something I read and then, um, the other is, is the question. First thing is I read that it used to be fairy floss. Is that correct? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's uh, my my official fight name, but it's been shortened. Okay, so everyone calls me Flossy now. That's it. Okay, so my my question is, how do you come across a fight name Fairy Floss? What is the deal with that? All right. So you, you got a whole heap of testosterone in the gym. So boys are you know naturally giving each other shit all day. Um, I would have been. It was just before my first fight. Uh, that would have been. November 2005, 2006. Um, I was a very loudmouth kid in the gym. Not much skills yet, but, you know, talked my, talked my way into it. And um, I, was, I was complaining about something at the gym one day about the training. And um, I think one of, the, one of the boys told me to shut up and just said, you're soft like fairy floss, something like that. And then... I heard my trainer laugh. He was sitting in the office while we were training and he just laughed and then he wrote it down because I thought I'd, it was his promotion, uh, one of the Pitbull fight nights. Um, and then he just laughed and wrote it down and then is like stuck to the bottom of my shoe ever since. And it's just evolved from that. So soft like fairy floss. And it's pretty upsetting if uh, someone comes at you with that name and wins. Hey. And if you get if you can own it, why not, right? Yeah, I had no choice. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was funny because as I said, Flossie, I was like, what does Flossie even represent? And then as I digged in a little more, it was like I saw somewhere I forgot where it was, and it was like fairy floss. And I'm like, okay, well that explains Flossie. But I'm like, why fairy floss? Like, what's going on there? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So you've been fighting since you said 2005. Uh, I think I started 2005. My first fight was 2006. I would have been 17. So um, I started training. I worked at a computer shop for like like a, as an apprentice, um, fixing computers with my neighbour Daniel. One of the one of the customers was a pro kickboxer, Shane Meads. Um, used to fix his computer, and then he brought it in. It was just his background was him kicking someone in the head. It was great, and we were like, "Fuck yeah, that's sick." And me and me and Daniel used to go go to the gym and do weights and stuff like that, but we weren't enjoying it. And I was I would have been fifteen, sixteen at that point. And then we went and watched him fight, and he he broke this dude's arm in like round one with a kick. And we we're like, yes, that is that's sick. Um, then after that, he come back in, and we're like, hey man, how do we how do we get into this? So that looks uh, that looks fun to do. Want to we want to do some training and want to learn how to defend. You know, did that. Um, Shane used he trained a bulldog in Castle Hill, but he lived in in Greystains where I lived, so he took us to Paul Grimer in South Wentworthville, just down the road, and that was it. We were locked in for the last. How many years? That's been now fifteen years. I've got him tatted on my there, there tatted on my arm. The gym represents. So big shout out to Paul Grimer. Um, he's shaped me not as a fighter, like not just a fighter, as a human as well. So, so um, good family friend of mine too. And and has it always been? Has it always been Muay Thai for you, or have you ever thought about potentially like? Obviously, getting into the 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 MMA side of things or stuff, or you just you you you're a Muay Thai fighter. So when when I started, um, kickboxing was probably more prominent in New South Wales and and Melbourne. Uh, Muay Thai was there, 
Like it was definitely the ball was rolling, but it wasn't. There was more kickboxing fights on the card than than uh, Muay Thai rules. And so to get fights, I switched between the two. But I found kickboxing not as a good of a fit as like full Thai rules to me. And there was also like modified tie rules. There was like all these different sets of rules. You could knee to the body, no knees to the head, no elbows, uh, knees to the body and head, no elbows, and then full tie rules, knees and elbows to the head. So um, my first fight was padded, full tie rules, knees and elbows to the head. Um, and then they found a loophole in the legislation. We got rid of the pads. So all my amateur fights were mostly without pads. So pro rules. Well, I, I, was, I was actually going to ask that because I've seen a couple of your fights and obviously I saw your, your pro debut, but I also saw some of your amateur fights. And I was like, when I was watching that, um, the only difference I could notice was that you got a little bit more color on your back tattoo. That was it, right? Like, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, because I was watching that and, and there were knees, there were elbows, uh, Usually for for the MMA side of things, you know, if it's if it's amateurs, there's shin pads and 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 so or like even headgear sometimes for some of these events. And I was looking at some of your amateur fights, and and I was like, so what is the actual difference? Like, as I said, the only difference I I, I could see is that you had more color in in your pro fight on on your on your back than you did in your amateurs, in regards to your frame, um, to to. As I said, the rules that are being used, I, I just felt like it was it was the same. Yeah, so um, at around, I think it was 2012, 2013, the New South Wales government brought in the Combat Sport Authority. Probably had to deal with them to be in the corner of a fight. Um, it was largely self-regulated industry before then. Um, as I said, I, my first fight was like headgear, chest guard, elbow pads, shin pads. That's the rules that we thought we had to do. Uh, and then we, then the loophole was found. Muay Thai wasn't in the legislation, so it was balls to the wall. Go for it. Um, no pads, no headgear. I, I strongly disapprove of headgear anyway. Uh, I think it does more damage than good. And why, um, and why do you, sorry, and why do you say that? Um, bigger target. Uh, restricted vision it can heat up your brain in peak physical exertion uh, it can get pulled over your eyes so another loss of vision I know I know that's happened um, I've seen it happen as I've judged fights in in Australia too afterwards um, a false sense of security so accumulated blows to the head if you were supposed to get stopped with five hits and you received 20 because the headgear stopped you what your body's natural response to being knocked out, then I think copying 20 hits when you were supposed to stop at five is worse. Um, the only thing it might be good for would be stopping cuts in amateur boxing with head clashes or Muay Thai with elbows. So, Well, that's that. But like I, I – yeah, as I say, like I originally always thought, you know, they'd do modified rules, i.e. you couldn't throw elbows and stuff. But I guess – you know, um, when when Muay Thai is all about what, what's it called? The art of eight. Um, uh, art of eight, yep. Uh, limbs, or is it eight limbs, or, or whatever? So I guess eight limbs, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess taking elbows out would just totally go against what, what Muay Thai is anyway, and that's probably why they keep it. Because I know, for instance, like uh, here now in Sydney with MMA, for instance, you know, you can you can knee but only to the body. You can't knee to the head, mm-hmm. for instance. Um, we can't use elbows. So and, and because of that, they also restrict, um, like, for instance, spinning attacks because they say, you know, you go for a, a, spinning, a spinning back fist um, and you m- misjudge the distance, all of a sudden that fist becomes a spinning back elbow. And, and you know, um, so for us in, in, in the MMA world here, I don't know about so much in the States, but over here, like, they do limit what, what you can use. Yeah, so that that'll be the case here now. Um, and after after the regulation came in in New South Wales, they they put elbow pads on, they put the headgear on. Um, I don't think they limited any like back elbow. I think back elbows are allowed. I'm not too sure because it's been a minute since I've uh, checked out the rules there. Um, in so I had two two amateur fights here in the states. After being a amateur fighter in Australia without any of that regulation, so 12 to 6 elbows were legal, spinning back elbows were legal, um, knees to the head were legal, and then coming here and they're going, no knees to the head, no 12 to 6 elbow, you've got to wear pads on your elbows, you've got to wear shin pads. I'm like, oh, God, I need to turn pro. Because so it it is hard, right? Because you end, you you end up just. I think it's it's the same thing. You end up then spending that time backstage, more worried about obviously these rules and and potentially not breaking any of them than than you do about the fight because you know like a lot of it becomes natural instinct after a while, right? So, and that's what I yeah. always find, like especially with different commissions as well, that, you know, you can go to Vegas and get a different rule set than, say, New York or, or whatever. Like, I always find that weird too because, uh, I mean, I had Sharpie on who, who's obviously a ref over here and, and, and things like that, and I say, yep. does it make it even difficult to judge and to ref when constantly, you know, depending on, on, on what state you're in, you're actually playing by a different set of rules, you know? And, and, and I think it ends up becoming more confusing than anything else. Yeah, some a unified rule system would be good. Um, but when um, people are in control and they want to keep that control, then they're not going to team up with other people and help the sport grow. And I think it's a money thing too, right? Like, every, and that's that's oh, as well. It's it's like we want to, but like for instance, I, I find it weird back here at home. Is you know. Um, in New South Wales, you need the blue book. Queensland, you don't even need that. Like, and I'm like, so who sanctions it? Doesn't matter. So Queensland is. Uh, I know there was some sort of government regulation coming in. I don't know if it ended up um, staying self-regulated, but that that's how New South Wales was back in the day uh, with Muay Thai. That's why Queensland's like the home of Muay Thai. And that's They're also a bit why to Thailand. And, and and that is why also right now Queensland are the only ones having fight nights, right? Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen some um, stand up fights. I haven't seen any MMA ones. I'm not too sure about that. But um, yeah, they've started doing shows. I know the Combat Sport Authority's still saying no in New South Wales, and it's like promoters, fighters, 
like uh, my trainer Paul had a, has a boxing ring that he hires out. Um, it's hurting. It's hurting the whole industry. So they hurt the whole industry in 2015 when they when they told us we had to wear headgear and there's no shows and we've got to reapply and all the sanctioning bodies had to reapply. It hurt everyone then, and now this COVID's hurting everyone again now. But it's it makes no sense because, as I say, I just kind of feel like the uh, Combat Sports Authority just want to take a holiday right now. That's how I honestly feel about it. And the reason I say that, right, is, look, we're, we're coming to the back end of our football season, right? They're now allowing crowds back on. So it's not even like playing with no crowd. So you've got, like, these football stadiums right now with 18,000 people drinking beer, carrying on, and that's fine, but we can't have a fight night, right? And and to the point, um, my coach was meant to have a, a, a finale fight night uh, last weekend, and he tried. He looked at every avenue, like he was he was thinking about moving the fight card all the way up to Queensland to get it across the line, but he couldn't do that because can't get over there. because the borders shut, so we can't actually physically go over, right? So, and then he was like, looking, what if we go to to Canberra, the ACT, see if they have a different rule set and stuff. But it makes no sense because the program that he runs, which I don't know if you're familiar with, is is the Wim to Warrior program, right? So the the whole yeah. presumption there is you get these people in and they train to it, – it's kind of like, I guess, like the ultimate fighter house, right? So – except they're not actually living together. But they train together for six months. And at the end of the six months, they put on a finale night. They match these people off and, and, and you're fighting. So you actually know who you're fighting. Now, the, the weird thing with that is they were allowed to... I mean, obviously, there was a bit uh, a couple of months of, of lockdown where gyms had to close, but since then, they've reopened. And so he can legally still continue to train. These guys are sparring every day, five days a week, right? But you can't have a fight night. And you're fighting, you're fighting the same guys you're sparring against. Right, and if any, yeah. and and if anything, it I think the sparring's got more risk because in the mornings you're switching sparring partners, so you might in in the one session spar against like five six different people. When you're fighting, yeah. you're only fighting the one, right? And yeah. so we 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 originally thought like, is it the crowds? And because normally they get like you know six seven eight hundred people, but as I said, the football's allowed to have eighteen thousand. Mind you, bigger bigger venues, we get that, but like, right? So he was like, what, ab- what about if we're limited to like 150 people? And they were like, no. Nope. And then he even turned around and said, okay, what if we follow the suit of, say, the UFC or whatever, and we have a fight night, no crowd. He was already looking into streaming options, so obviously friends and family could tune into the stream and, and all that. So no crowd. You're fighting against someone that you're sparring against anyway, right? So, like, when you look at it, like, what is the issue? And they still said no. They literally still said no. As long as Scott Morrison can go watch his beloved Sharkies play, I think the NRL will be fine. Um, but everyone else is pretty fucked. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of hypocrisy going on with that. Uh, that's why the fight is happening in Mexico because – he, I was listening to the promoter last night. He was on a podcast. I'll send that to you after. Um, the commission wanted the promoter to pay for everyone to be in quarantine, not leave, 
do all that, same as uh, UFC, but for a show that isn't raking in UFC dollars, it's it's not not plausible. So this way we get to fight. Um, and I think he's doing an excellent job of um, building this up so it can be a regu regular thing as well with the, with the pay-per-view, it's only $8. Uh, Facebook Live, there's a new feature. They, they're doing live pay-per-views through, through Facebook now. And I think they're one of the first to trial it out for them. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, this way, I think 300 people max at the moment. And the closer it gets to the fight, they'll reassess to see what the, what the option is for people to come. But the pay-per-view is uh, a good, good option for us to stay active and people to get out there and watch it. And as a fighter competing, like, is there like any, I mean, obviously you've signed on, on, on the dotted line and, and you're doing it. So, but it, has there been any kind of, and just also knowing the, the number of infections that America's dealing with and stuff, has there ever been like a, a, a second thought in the back of your mind? Like in, in the sense of not about the fight, about just, you know, like we are in this weird area with the pandemic and, and stuff like that. Have, have you thought like, oh, if I do this, do I end up getting infected? And, and, and has that ever been a thought or not? Of course. Um, you, have to, you have to worry about all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I don't have my, my parents here or any like older relatives. Um, so it's just me and my wife. The guys that I've been training with, it's been a small group of the same people. So it's been pretty, pretty contained. Um, did go a bit crazy in the house for the first bit because I live in an apartment with no backyard or, and I live in a pretty, pretty dicey area in SF. So you can't just go hang out in the park or go for a walk at night. Um, but at some point you have to, you have to get out there. So sanitizing keeping my distance i'm wearing my mask i feel i feel safe doing that myself um i know people say against it otherwise but um definitely definitely in the back of my mind but we have to keep moving forward and and in regards to like traveling across to mexico is there any sort of like what's the procedure there like do you need to get an exemption first and foremost because i mean look even before the pandemic right there was all this talk about that, you know, Trump's building a wall and stuff like that to obviously uh, separate the two. Now we've got the pandemic on top of that. So, yeah, is there any sort of kind of loopholes that you've had to jump through or is it pretty standard over there now that you can, like, as I said, like, for instance, here, we can't go to Queensland, right? So, like, there's those state borders where obviously here we're not even dealing with state borders, I guess, but... As I always say, like you're living in the land of the free, where basically people are probably, not, you know, got the whole world. You can't tell us what to do. We're we're going to travel because I know my mates in Vegas and stuff. Um, they've been flying around like domestically through this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like even like at the at the peak of um, the pandemic, I've seen them. They're like, oh yeah, we just went to San Diego and we went here, and and I'm like, you guys are still flying. We can't fly. Like we we literally domestically we can't fly we're we're done you know like and they're like yeah yeah we can fly and I'm like that's crazy yeah they um they have, some of the airlines did like no one in the middle seat um then some were like they just packed it on because a lot of them they're about to go under so I think they just went 
fuck it. Um, the first place I went was LA for Independence Day. That was in July. That was the first time I left the city since the lockdown. Um, that first two months, we were told not to leave um, the city. Uh, it's the same with the other Bay Area, like Oakland and stuff like that. They had to stay in Oakland. We had to stay in SF. They had to stay in um, San Jose, stuff like that. So to limit limit the spread. So I think I think they were doing it okay here, and but some of the southern states were just like, we'll do what we want, and that that comes with the freedom here in America. Um, other than that, where else did we go? We went to we went to Utah. So we've been doing a lot of hiking and camping, uh, me and my wife, because can't can't come home, can't go overseas, so we've been doing the, a bit more exploring. And it's the Aussie thing to do. Like, I keep trying to tell yeah, my missus, like- right, because she's, she's New York, she's a city girl, right? And I'm like, yeah, but there's something about camping, but I think that's a very Australian thing, right, like, to, to get out there and yeah. get, get along with nature. So now, now it's started, like, we went uh, top corner of California, just above Reno there, uh, Lassen national park and it was we were good but it was getting cold and like anything else you're going to need some like proper gear to do it so anyone over in the east coast is not not good right now for camping but utah utah was great it's good people wearing their masks most of the time or they'll see you and they'll put their mask up so i felt felt good and outdoors i feel i feel better outdoors than being inside and I have to say, Utah, I went there, was it the last trip or the trip before? I was actually, uh, one of my friends from Vegas, uh, was, uh, he, had a, he had a friend um, who had a wedding in, in uh, Utah and I was his plus one. So that was my first experience nice. of Utah and being a wedding crasher. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny because nice. I, I knew absolutely no one. But going back to the original thing, so... Going to Mexico now, is there any sort of like, as I say, is there any sort of loopholes or, or is it just, no, you, you, you can travel across the border and, and it's pretty pretty easy? The border is open. Um, I have to check on certainties for like who can cross, um, but the promoter's been going back and forth. Um, for us to go down, we have to get a COVID test within, I think, five days of the fight. So... To have the COVID test in hand, they they're doing all temperature checks and stuff like that at the border as well. Um, it'd be, I think, it'd be okay to get across. No, no problems with that with those two. And are you, are you taking are you taking your wife as well, or is she she's staying back in San Fran? Uh, she's she's my number one supporter. She'll um, come on down with me. <laughs> She, um, she's been to all my fights so far. She loves it. Um, there's, a, there's a few people coming down. So I've got my trainer, uh, my wife, a couple of the boys want to come down. We, are, we rented a, a house on the beach. So everyone can come and stay and hang out. Probably be down there for about Thursday to Sunday over that weekend just because getting back into the US on a Sunday across the land border is a bit like a six-hour wait in the car. There's ways to do it. You just drive to the border, walk across. It's easier right. than trying to take your car in. Yeah. 
there's Ubers as well. It's like a 20-minute Uber from the border to Rosarito Beach, where it is. There's definitely definitely options to be able to get across. Nice. And and so let me just take you back to your, to your pro debut. There was a couple of things that I wanted to ask about that one. Um, firstly, sure. firstly was they had you listed at 5'4". Your opponent was, I think, 5'10". And it seemed like... You 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 were the taller of the two. How tall are you? You you're definitely taller than five four, right? Oh yeah, I'm six two. So that the weight, uh, I think the weight was right, but the they put the gym name wrong. They put the height wrong. Even the commentators say it when they they were looking at it before the fight. They're like, oh, it says he's five foot four, but uh, I stood next to him and he's he's a good six two. So they they called that out as they were commentating. No, and, um, and, and that was the only reason. Like, if they, for instance, put him down as 5'2", I would have believed it. But, like, they had him, I think, at 5'10", or, five, as I say, 5'10", 5'11", and then you were at 5'4", and I'm like, unless the camera angles are a bit different or something, I'm like, that that don't make no sense to me, right? I was like, you you definitely looked the taller of the two. Oh, yeah, I was definitely taller. Now, also, the, sure. the other thing, and, and this is obviously when it comes to Muay Thai, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to that side of things. Um, the the, the, the interest, uh, interesting thing I saw was obviously at before the fight even commenced, which is obviously you guys um, jumped in and I don't know, you, got, you guys were doing something um, and I know the commentator said something that it was you blessed the, the ring or something like that or... Um, where first you're on your knees and you're doing certain things and, and, and then, you know, after that you're, you're on your feet and you're kind of rolling out your hips, which is what it looked like for me. But they were saying, like, it's a tradition that you do um, when it comes to Muay Thai. Can you talk a little on that? So it's called the White Crew or Ram Moy. It's a, a respect dance. It's a traditional thing that the Thais do before they fight. Um, Usually the bows are done in threes. So when you start, go down, come back up, it can be like uh, your your gym, your your trainer, your family, and your religion. It's usually the three. Um, it's been done for Muay Thai since inception. You can see I've got the Hong Kong right there, the red thing that I was wearing on my head. Uh, that's another traditional headpiece that they wear during that dance. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, um, I find it relaxes me as well before the fight. Like, gets me in the right, right headspace. Get to move a bit, stretch a bit as well, and um, yeah, really, really get a feel of the ring while you're doing it as well. That's one of the other things when they're like sweeping their foot and checking around because before they fought in boxing rings, they were fighting on the ground, so they would like dance around the ring to check out where the uneven surfaces were and um, get a feel for where they're fighting. Now, now, is it a, a rehearsed dance or do you, is it kind of more a, a freestyle motion with with certain elements to it? Um, each gym has their own. So you'll see more eccentric ones. One's pretty basic, uh, more traditional. Um, people like they'll pull bow and arrows out and shoot their opponents. Um, they'll stamp on the ground. They'll hit the side of the ring. Um, there's some more beautiful ones where people are like, uh, moving like a bird. You can see, you can see like animal movements with a lot of them as well. 
Yeah, right. And so I, I guess it's kind of like the hucker then, right? In in its yeah. own kind of way. Yeah. It's it's your way of. I mean, when you're talking about shooting your opponents with with bow and arrows, it's kind of like your war dance. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. And with the headpiece, what did you say it was called? It's called a Mong Kong. A Mong Kong. M O N K O N. M O N G K O N. Now, the one thing I, I, I noticed there as well is that your Mong Kong has a bell. Your opponents didn't. Is there is there any sort of relevance to that? Um, each one's, like, everyone has, like, a different one. There's pretty standard ones, just like a, like, that that red one was one of the standard ones, but I've had it uh, blessed by monks. Um, my trainer, Paul, gave me one of the amulets off our gym's Mong Kong and and I put it on mine um, as, as a blessing from him. So different different Mong Kongs have different features, different shapes, uh, different colours. And and is there any sort of um, like grading system to it as well? Like say like your BJJ belts or whatever. Like do you like or are they pretty much standard? Obviously tr- tra- traditional headpieces. Or is there like you know as you say you, you you get a blessed by certain people, but is there certain things that Obviously, over time, you know, it's it's more like a grading or no? Uh, not in that sense. People do use like Mong Kongs and the armbands. You might see some people wearing armbands in a fight. I, I used to wear them, but um, my biceps are a bit too skinny to hold them up. So they kept falling down. So I stopped wearing them. <laughs> um, so people do use them for grading. You'll get like this color Mong Kong or that color armband. But uh, grading in Muay Thai is a, a Western thing. It's not traditional with the Thai people. Okay, nice one. Now, with that fight as well, um, was it a uh, on purpose or a mistake to start the fight without a mouthpiece? <laughs> That's the first time I've ever done it. Um, the rest, the rest in check. Um, I forgot. My corner forgot, and then I. Uh, I wore one in the mouth and I was like, I, I felt my teeth chatter. I was like, I don't have a mouth guard in. Oh, stop, stop. <laughs> Went and got it. And then the, the commission came up after me and he, he blasted me for a bit. And I'm like, yeah, I, I forgot. And so did the rest. So, But on the same token, the commission sh- should take some responsibility there too, right? I mean, where where was your guys? I mean, I don't know. When Once again, when I see people walk to the cage, you have people from the commission patting people down, making sure they got, you know, their cup in, they, all that. So it's like, I, I, I just found it funny because the way it happened and, and it wasn't even, it was probably halfway through that round, right? Like it wasn't like in the first sort of 20, 30 seconds, like you had been in there for quite a bit. And the only reason I say on purpose as well is what I, what I found with that fight was that I think, and I don't know if it was because it was your debut but you started slow. I, I, I found that at the beginning, you know, you, you kind of had to settle in and then as the rounds went on, you became the busier fighter and, and I think that's what it was. So, you know, if, if you're going round by round, I would say maybe your opponent had the first round and then the second, third, you kind of you, you kind of took over. Um, and I just thought uh, maybe that's because obviously we all know with mouthpieces as well, you know, they can restrict your breathing and stuff like that. And I just thought, you know, was that a tactic that you had where you're like, oh, you know, like I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep it out for a little bit, and then obviously, as you say, you you, you caught one in the mouth, and you're like, because to me, when I put my mouth guard in, I I don't know how anyone 
can forget to put it in. Like, because it's, it's not like a, a, a thing that you, you have in and you don't notice it's there. Like, generally speaking, and I'm, and I'm even talking about good mouthpieces. I'm not talking about rubbish mouthpieces. But you, they're there, like, and so like I, I was so amused when I saw that. I was like, "How does that even happen?" And and to be honest with you, when it first happened, um, I thought you were telling me my mouthpiece fell out, like, you know, like, and I was like, I didn't see nothing come out, like, you know. And, and then when you went to the corner, or he went to the corner to grab your mouthpiece, I'm like, "Oh my god, he hasn't had it in that whole time." And and it just kind of like, yeah, as as I said, I I, I was like amused by it but i was kind of confused at the same time so with the mouth guard and the the u.s healthcare system there's no way i would have done it on purpose because um getting your teeth fixed or getting any sort of healthcare here is absolutely ridiculous um it's very expensive uh i i have a proper fitted mouth guard shout out to rhino mouth guards um never had it come out once during a fight just that was the first time i just i think i was just too excited to be back in the ring and having my pro debut you know it didn't cross my mind and it didn't cross your coach's mind and it didn't cross cross anyone right rhino mouth guards are you talking about the guys back here yes okay nice down in uh clovelly yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same, same guy who does my mouth guard. So I, I, I know him well. Um, yeah, he's done all my mouth guards since I started fighting. I have to come back and get a new one. Nice, nice. So listen, so you got this fight coming up, fourteenth uh, of November. Uh, I'm assuming your your date. So for us back here, it'll be the fifteenth. It's in Mexico. Um, have you had like a full? Because uh, you were talking at the beginning about you know your, your gym being closed and stuff. Like, how how do you feel in preparation for this? Like, have you? Do you feel comfortable? Have you had a full camp now? Have you got enough rounds in in sparring and stuff? Like, how how are you feeling about this fight? I feel I feel really good. Um, that first three months of the lockdown where the gyms weren't open, I um, drank a lot of wine and ate a lot of cheese got a bit fat so um after that i was a couple of the boys started like oh you want to train we'll go outside we'll do this we'll do that so we had a we had a crew and then we started consistently training and then things started to open back up slowly so and then once when i got the call for the fight because um i harassed the promoter again to get me on so how i got in how i got on the first card i went to one of his shows I was harassing him on Instagram. I was harassing him on Facebook. I went up to the show. I'm like, get me a fight. And it uh, ended up working. So um, when he announced this one, I'm like, oh, I've got to do it again. I've got to try my luck, you know, work last time. And uh, it ended up working again. So seven-week fight camp, I think, is enough. Built off the consistent training I was doing before that for the last three months. I feel good. I've been running been sparring, been doing pad work, like high intensity stuff. Um, I did a, I did a low carb weight cut for the first two weeks just to shift a bit of the water weight and then introduced in some clean carbs. Um, watching all my macros. I've got a nutritionist who sorts out all my diet stuff. Um, I used to cut hard for fights, sweatsuit, sauna, you know, go for a run around the block in 40 degree heat in Australia to 
finish off that last kilo. Um, I can't recommend getting a nutritionist anymore. Like, like it is the best thing I've ever done for my uh, fight weight, especially when I, when I had that comeback, when I moved to the U S I was, and I'm sorry for this, 185 pounds because I, I don't remember the kilos and I cut to 153. So about, about 70 kilos. So I was about 82 kilos down. So I had to drop about 12 kilos and with a nutritionist guiding it, uh, shout out to Marco from your nutrition needs. Um, I felt comfortable on weight before the fight, ready to go. So, um, everything is looking good right now. No injuries. So um, feeling good. And with the nutritionist, is it is it more a gradual thing? Like, because I know obviously with the with the water cuts, a lot of the times it's it's like leading in the, to those last few weeks. You you obviously water load, and then you dump it all out, right? But it's 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 a very small window where um, with nutrition, I, I kind of think you gradually do it, right? Like it's not like. Um, you know, you you go all out, and then in the last two weeks, you go, okay, well, we're we're eating nothing, kind of thing. Like it's it's a more gradual thing, right? Yeah, that's how I that's how I used to do it. I'd be like, oh, just tuna and rice, just basic, you know, like no idea about nutrition at all. To having a set plan, you weigh your food, you're using high quality ingredients, um, cut my dairy and gluten out. Um, so. Yeah, you got to watch your salt intake for um, water retention, stuff like that. Everything's measured, and that way you can be ultra consistent with your with your goals as well. And you can you, you just watch it; it's it slowly comes off, but surely. And every every couple of weeks, it gets adjusted, so uh, your your intake numbers um, either go up or down depending on what your your goals is. If you're trying to be fast, or if you're trying to cut weight for a fight, but um, that way has been a game changer for me because those those sauna sessions that I used to do, uh, like one, they're dangerous, two, they're shit, <laughs> sitting in a sauna for a couple of hours just to lose that last 500 grams so you got nothing left in you. And uh, I was doubtful that I was going to make one, 147, so 66 kilos, um, just because I hadn't been that weight in... I think it was four years since my last fight when I moved here. It was 24, end of 2014, at start of end of 2018. Of the gap was in between fights. That um, so I was a little bit scared that I couldn't make it back down to that weight. But I feel I feel good at that weight. Um, I feel natural. I feel like I can move better, I'm not weighed down. I'm generally taller than my opponents as well, so that helps. Um, but works wonders. See, no, I think no water loading, no. I, I think um, we're, we're, we're the same when it comes to that. I think in frame and everything, I, I think... Uh, I mean, obviously, I've probably got more of the ISO body right now. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm six foot. Same thing. I um, When I took my fight, uh, I was meant to get down to 70 kilos. Um, and I was ready. I had the sweatsuit. I had the sweet sweat. I had everything there in case. But I said the whole fight camp, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to chip off, I think it was 500 grams a week. Right, it was five hundred grams a week for the period of, and that's an, achieve, that's an achievable goal too. Right for for a period of six months or whatever it was, and I had to get down. As I said, I, I think I started at eighty three or eighty four, and I had to get down to seventy. Um, 
And I had, as I said, the, sw- uh, the suit, everything ready to go just in case. Um, got on the scales, I was 68. So I was two kilos under my, my goal, my target weight. And I didn't, I didn't sweat a bit. I, I, I didn't have to do anything, you know. And, and my opponent, um, I think he did the opposite. And, and it was weird because the whole camp, I was, I was, a little, I was probably more nervous than him. Um, and uh, but when we jumped on the scales, he same. He was he was like sixty eight, sixty nine. So he was definitely under as well. But when we faced off, that's where all my confidence came from, and it was purely, yeah, I, I I could I just could sense something like he was twitching a little, and I go, I'm like, you've had a rough cut, you've had a, you know, like it, it really was. And, and look, don't get me wrong, I see the benefits too because if you're trying to put all that weight back on by fight night um it's a lot harder to put on weight if you have gradually taken it off through dieting rather than the whole water loading and stuff right like so i do i do see benefits um but i just think the longevity right where where, whether it's the gas tank of a fight i always say if you have a hard cut you've got to get it in and out in the first one two rounds right Uh, after that it's always going to play to the other person and also longevity in your career because I, I just think, you know, someone who's who's cutting a lot of weight a lot of the time, they might have like a 10-year um, sort of career and then someone who, who does it properly by dieting properly and eating correctly and stuff like that, they, they can have 15 years, you know. I, I don't know if you'd go 20 years, but you know what I mean? Like you, you, you can just last a lot longer. I, I, that's my opinion anyway, I guess. So with that... Um the, the ridiculous weight cuts that I've seen, like people drop like 15, 20 kilos for a fight is, it, it, it can't be good for you. Like that, that yo-yo dieting. Um, you also, I, I don't think, I've read, a, I've read a study about rehydrating the brain. Um, you, can't, you can't do that after a weight, like a massive water cut. You just, your body physically can't get it ready. Even like, a lot of the amateur boxing same day weigh in, so they can't do those drastic weight cuts because um, then they'll feel like shit on that day. Whereas we had 24 hours to get back into the ring and rehydrate and sleep it off and pump the supplements and eat all the food to put as much weight as you can back on. But um, realistically, you can't. There's definitely no longevity in that. Um, I know some people like John Wayne Parr used to cut a whole heap of weight and it seemed to work for him. Um, but for me now is like, I don't, I don't want to do that to my body. I just want to make sure that it works right and put in the good food, well, that, drink a lot of water. That was like, I remember there was a UFC in, in Sydney and, uh, it was the one when they had the flyweight tournament. Um, and we, we were running around with Ian McCall, but on that night, uh, I think they had, um, Tiago Elvis. No, actually it was the, the Sydney car before that. And they had Tiago Elvis, I think, fight Martin Kapman. And um, I remember him posting a picture that he had put on 32 pounds, like within three hours after after the, the, the weigh-in. And like, mind you, this was still during that period where you could use um, IVs. IV. Right? Yeah. So it, once again, different era. But I was like... Because I always, look, I know it's not exact, but I always say pounds, it's two pounds to a kilo, uh, roughly. So I'm like, 32, yeah. 32 pounds, I'm like, that's 16, 15 maybe kilos. 15 kilos. I'm like, 
And I think literally he posted that three hours after after weigh-ins, and I'm like, how can that even? A, how's that possible? So, I know for a long time I was like, he's just posting that. Like, I don't even think that's that's real. Um, And if it is real, like, how can that how can that be good? And look, he ended up losing that fight. I remember Ketman actually beat him that the the next day, right? And it's like, I don't know. I I I just think that, yeah, me personally, and and I've. and I've brought this up a few times, is like if you could somehow find a way to get rid of weight cuts, I think we'd all be better. Um, and and I get it that, you know, you want to be the bigger guy, but I find that if everyone stopped, you'd, spit, you'd be fighting the same guys just in a different division, but it's a matter of trying to get everyone to stop. Because I do find that, you know, when you see these guys that stop doing these harsh cuts, they actually have a better performance. Yes, they're the smaller guy now because the other guys are coming down. But when you look at stamina and, and speed and all those other things that come with it, uh, I, I just think you're actually a better fighter. You're a smaller fighter, but you're a better fighter. Yeah, I think... I think um, so I, I, I usually walk around like 156, 157 when I'm training and eating good. So I can go up to like 160, 165 if I... After a fight, you know, just straight into in and out burger um on on the beers but um usually i walk around like in between 155 160 so that that uh weight cut isn't too bad from from that position but if you're like if as you said that guy dropped he put on 15 kilos did he drop that 15 kilos first and then put it back on how is that how is that any good for your body if you're doing that over a week over two weeks um i know a lot of the places now and one FC they're doing staggered weigh-ins uh, and the commissions here are doing it as well. I had to weigh in at the fight, uh, at the weigh-in 24 hours. And then when I got to the, when I got to the fight before the show, I had to weigh in again. And if you exceed a certain amount of weight, I can't remember what it was. It might've been 10 or 12 pounds over the weight that you were fighting at. You'd get a tick against your name. And if you keep doing that, they'll end up saying that you cannot wait. You cannot fight at this weight anymore. Um, I I think that's a good thing. I think that's see, good the, for the safety of the sport. The way I, I I see that they should potentially do it is um, like they do with the USADA testing, that they literally have people rock up to your fight camps, fight gyms at random. And you jump on the scale, and whether it's ten yeah. percent or whatever it is, fifteen percent, you you can't you can't change so if you're 10 weeks out you've already be, got to be within 10 percent of your fight weight this kind of thing like look you can cut a little bit or whatever but i, I just you know um hate seeing people put themselves through through hell and you know when you sometimes see the footage and people are like literally as you say the the sauna and you see you know them being dragged out of the sauna by by their coaches and or even like you know basically walk to the scales during weigh-ins and it's like if you can't walk what are you doing like it makes it makes no sense as a coach you've got to you've got to make sure that your fighters aren't getting to that point i think that's what that's the difference between a good good coach and a bad coach nice i know one fc one 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 championships doing staggered weigh-ins as well. So they, they weigh you a week out from the fight. I think, don't quote me on this, and they weigh you like twice before the fight within that week just to make sure that you're not doing those those silly cuts. So that's, um, I think that's a, that's a good thing as well. 
But as Eric said, uh, I think he was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, there was a death that sparked that. Right? I, I didn't hear about this one. Yeah, so before 1FC introduced all the, these measures, someone died. So and, and that's the kind of you know extreme measures you have to take once you lose a life. And, and, and I, I guess that's... When you look at that, you're like, okay, they're doing it for that reason. So are all these other organisations waiting, I guess, for for someone to seriously get injured or or potentially die before they introduce similar kind of rule sets? You know, it's it's a little crazy. But um, so with this fight, do you know much about it uh, about your opponent? Um, young kid. He's uh, twenty years old, six foot one. He's had. It's around about 50 amateur fights. Um, I believe a few of them would have been youth fights as he's only, he's only 20, unless he's been like ultra active. Um, I think I've only, I've only had, this would be my 30th fight. Um, some fight, some, some years I did like six fights. Some years I did none. Some I did two, you know, it's been pretty, pretty on and off for me, but can't keep me away. Um, he had his pro debut online fight. Um, there's no, no footage, but, um, I don't really get too concerned about their style. I just go in and go in and do my thing, work and try and cut him open. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, that's what the elbows are good for, right? Yeah. Slice them, slice them and dice them. Yeah. I've cut, uh, I think. Five out of the last six fights that I've had, I've cut, I've opened them up. Uh, I love elbows are my favourite. So you take them away, like as I said, when I was when I was kickboxing, I couldn't throw elbows. I, I threw three spinning back elbows in a kickboxing fight. It was my second fight too, and I took it on two weeks' notice. I was like, "Oops, my bad. Sorry." My last fight was with elbows. Have but, you uh, have you ever been cut? Open like in 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 a bad kind of way or not? You've been lucky because I know I know your last opponent, the one that we're talking about with your pro debut. Um, he he, I think threw three or four spinning, spinning back elbows, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That that back elbow that he landed on my eye socket was decent. Um, that um that flared up straight after. You can probably see me at the end of the fight going like this. Um, it didn't cut though. Uh, it um, definitely rattled something inside. It was well timed, well landed. Um, but I got I got the cut over his I got a cut over his eyebrow to see just the little one. So what's the? It's always fun when they when when they start bleeding and you're like ah I'm going to try and open that some more. So what's the worst I guess injury or or that you you've suffered? Um, I haven't breathed out of the right side of my nose since my second fight. Uh, so when you throw spinning back elbows in a kickboxing fight, people get pissed off. And he, Simon just landed this straight punch on my nose and it shut up on that side. Um, broke multiple broken ribs. Like I've had three, three broken ribs in a fight, cracked ribs, um, no cuts. I had I had a fight with that was another fight I took on notice uh, for an Australian title. It's right there. 
two weight divisions up from what I usually do. Um, guy called Jordan Maslin from Melbourne. Um, leg kicks for days. He was he was ultra strong. Poor kid passed away now. Um, he kicked the fuck out of my legs, and um, I ended up. I, I had leg problems before. Uh, I didn't know what was wrong, but after the fight, I found out I had a 20 centimeter tear in my in one of the quad muscles. It was 20 centimeters by five centimeters, and that one couldn't walk. Like I was, I was calling my trainer. I'm like, Paul, you need to get in my hotel now. Uh, as soon as the fight finished, I sat down. I'm like, I can't, I can't stand up anymore. It was, it was at that point where if he got one more kick on me, I was going to call it a day. It was very close. I ended up stopping it with a spinning back elbow. Um, so we both walked away. Like he cracked his, cracked his cheek and I, I couldn't walk. So we were like, it was a, it was a pretty decent battle. Um, but that, that 20 centimeter tear, not being able to walk properly was, um, that was a shit drive home from Albury back to Sydney. <laughs> I'll send, I'll send you the photo of my knee afterwards. So you can post it up here while we're talking. Perfect, perfect. Now, I, I definitely keen to check it out. But like, look, we're, we're, we're going to start to wrap it up. But for people that do want to tune in, um, what, what's the best, you, you're talking about pay-per-view, Facebook. Um, so what's, what's the, uh, it's on the 14th. Uh, for people in Australia, it's on the 15th. Um, yeah, what, what's the Facebook page, I guess, that they should head to? Um, yeah, what, what's the best way to, I guess, check out the, the action? Uh, the promotion is called Triumphant Combat Sports. Um, you can find them on Instagram or Facebook. I will post the link in my bio so people can head on over. The The whole show is $8 US. Um, it'll be streamed on Facebook Live. As I said, that's one of the first ones that they're doing. You can, you can also buy some merch and help me out. There's a, another link on my bio right now for my merch store. But um, yeah, uh, I'll um, send over the details to you as well so you can put it all up and people can find it and watch it. I think there's eight or nine fights at the moment. There's a uh, WMC Intercontinental title up for grabs. Um, and there's a triumphant belt up for grabs as well for the main event card so it's there's gonna there's some decent fights on the card too so definitely definitely check it out um and eight bucks what a not bad for just uh getting back into the sport while nothing's been on you know perfect and is it is, is it a, a total muay thai card yeah it's all it's all full thai rules um the biggest thing about jeff is um it's there's not a lot of beginners on the card he likes to get top rank amateurs and pro fighters on the card so it's that it's that good stepping platform into glory one bellator kickboxing stuff like that nice nice all right well before i do get you out though i'll 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 just get you to give me a couple little picks that i always like to do at the very end um obviously this week when we're talking about titles um we've got uh arlene facing chris cyborg which was for the better part of the decade the baddest woman on the planet um they're fighting i think in connecticut um this friday our time thursday your time um for yeah the 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 bellator belt um 
how do you see that fight going down? Um, who's your pick? I mean, I I assume you're going to have to back the Aussie, but uh, how do you see the the, the fight going down? Uh, Cyborg's a weapon, man. Um, she's she's always exciting to watch. She's been dominant for a long time. Um, Arlene's tidy as well. Like you know, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to back Arlene on this one. So I'll definitely be tuning into that. Cool. And then on the uh, UFC basis, we've got uh, Brian Ortega and, and the Korean Zombie battling it out this weekend as well. Um, who, who have you got for that one? I think uh, the Korean Zombie's going to have to... I know he had a hard loss so not, not long ago. I can't remember when it was. Everything's a bit of a time warp at the moment. Um, I think he'll be fighting tooth and nail to get back to the top. So that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch. It'll be an exciting fight. Ortega's a weapon too, though. Yeah, um, and then uh, the weekend of my birthday, which is the following weekend, um, which is a perfect, perfect, perfect birthday present for me, the twenty fourth of October. Yeah. Um, we got uh, first up. We've got uh, Robert Whitaker versus Kenny Nee. So, who have you got on that? Yeah, Whitaker's going to take this one without a doubt. He's ready to get back up to the top as well. And then, obviously, the main event, which is um, Khabib and uh, Justin Gaethje. How do you see that one uh, unfold? If if Gaethje can can touch him, I think it'll be a very interesting fight. But I think Khabib's just going to wrap him up and just just work him like he uh, like he did Connor and just wrap him up, time up in a knot, and just go good night. See, the only difference I see on that is that Connor don't have the wrestling that Gaethje does. Like, Gaethje does yeah. have a wrestling background and Connor didn't have that. So, yeah, I once again, I think, I think, Khabib. I, I think Khabib's wrestling is elite and, like, is still better. But to, to, to say he's going to wrap him up like he did with Connor, I just don't think it'll be as simple as that. We'll have to, we'll have to throw a tenner on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, look. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the odds, but I definitely, I definitely, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that Khabib's going to be the favourite, and I definitely would put a tenner on on the upset. I mean, it's you know cheeky ten. I don't know. Yeah, love it. All right, I'm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, on 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 that note, I'm I'm going to wrap it up. Um. I do, as I said, like I, I love the fact that you're, you're living the dream over there, even though I, I guess at the moment the dream is better over here when, as I said, the landscape of, of what's going on globally and, and things like that. Um, but for people that kind of want to uh, reach out um, to yourself, whether it is to buy some merch or, or even just, you know, if there's some more Australians that are hovering around or, if, you know, they want... They want to talk to you about some fight stuff or whatever. What's the best way of them kind of getting? Like, have you got a website? What, what what's going on? Um, so I've got a I've got a Facebook page. Um, it's Andrew Ferry Floss Web. You'll be able to find it on that or uh, at Muay Thai Flossy on Instagram. So they're they're my main channels. I don't have Twitter or anything like that. My merch website is in my bio at the moment. Um, so. I'll I'll post. I'll, I'll leave that one up there, and I'll post the link in a post for the fight. Um, people will be able to check it out there, or just hit me up, and I can send you the link. 
Nice. Well, there you have it. Um, as always, I'd like to just always say thank you for, for coming along. It's, it's always a little bit tougher when there's um, different time zones involved and, and things like that. Um, look, I, I wish you all the best, not just obviously in staying safe while you're over in the States and, and, and hopefully, I mean, I want to get it back over to the States as soon as I can. So hopefully, you know, all this stuff starts to blow over pretty soon. Um, you know, as we just did with the fighter picks, my pick is that you're, you're, you're going to beat this guy purely as well, because you know, that's what us Aussies do. Um, but no, look, best of luck for the 14th slash 15th if you're in Australia. Uh, hopefully we'll get a few people tuning in. Um, I really do appreciate your time and hopefully we can get you on, I guess, after the fact and maybe we can have a little chat about how the uh, fight sort of played out. Um, and I guess that's where we're going to call it quits. So until next time, that is it. I'm a-